Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central. On Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into the latest Hawk Central radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, columnist who covered the Hawkeyes, and we will take you up to 7 o'clock tonight, as always. We have reached the Big Ten Conference portion of the season for the 3-0 Hawkeyes, coming off a 41-10 win against Western Michigan. We recapped that in our post-game YouTube pod. Talked about Tuesday and another YouTube pod, so we're moving ahead to this week's game, and the Big Ten opener is uh, no doubt probably the most challenging game on the entire Iowa schedule in 2023. It's the Hawkeyes at Penn State, 6.40 p.m. Saturday kickoff at Beaver Stadium with whiteout conditions expected. Uh, first time the Hawkeyes have played in the whiteout since 2009. So, welcome uh, to Tyler Tashman, who is uh, going to be making his uh, inaugural journey to Happy Valley with me on Friday. Uh, what are you looking forward to most out there, Tyler? No, first I'll just say, you know, you sound like a meteorologist kind of talking about the whiteout, and <laughs> I think I do too, kind of in the lead up to this game and uh, asking all the players about it. But um, no, I'm just the atmosphere. I, I've, I know people that have been there, um, and it, you know, it sounds electric from the videos and pictures and stuff I've seen. It just looks like something that you kind of have to get to at, at one point in your life if you're a college football you know, fan. So I'm just looking forward to that part of it. Absolutely. Uh, the environment has gotten a lot of discussion this week. Uh, while Iowa and Penn State have played every year from 2016 through 2021, the Hawkeyes have not played a game at Penn State with fans since 2018. Of course, the 2020 matchup was played uh, in front of an empty Beaver Stadium. Uh, so... What kind of atmosphere could be awaiting the Hawkeyes on Saturday night? And the point I'm making is there's a lot of revenge factor built up uh, for Penn State. The Hawkeyes have won the last two. Uh, They're not happy about how that 2021 game went down. And there's really no look-ahead factor this week for the Nittany Lions either because next week is at Northwestern, then they get a bye week, and then they host UMass. So all eyes... uh, of the nation of uh, Penn State football are squarely secured on the Hawkeyes. This is their game. This is the game of the first half of their season. Yeah, and and I think that's certainly one of the challenges that Iowa will have to deal with because a lot of these guys, um, not everyone, but a lot of these guys haven't played an atmosphere quite like this. And I think you look at specifically the running back room, uh, who, which is the play date it will be without uh, Jazz Patterson and Caleb Johnson on Saturday. Um, but, you know, LeSean Williams is going to be the lead guy behind him. You have Kamari Moulton, who is a true freshman. He had two touchdowns against Western Michigan, but that's a tough ask for a true freshman to go in that type of environment. Um, same thing with Terrell Washington. Max White is a little bit more experienced, but still, you know, not even close to kind of, what you would hope to be in in a game like this. I think part of it is just how difficult the atmosphere is, but also that some of these guys just probably haven't played in quite this level of, you know, electric atmosphere. And, um, you know, certainly I think the Iowa State game, you know, might be on the 
yeah. you know, closer to the end, but you know, this might just be a kind of on another different level. Um, but, and I will say, uh, LeSean Williams said it, Iowa, Iowa can control this. You know, they have it in their hands to a certain extent that he baked LeSean Williams said, the better we play, the quieter it gets. So if Iowa wants to kind of put a dagger into the crowd, it can, it can do so by playing well. Exactly. I think the point, very well put. And actually, let's skip ahead on the outline here because let's talk about the running backs room. We talked to Liddell Betts today on the Zoom call. Um, you know, he's the Iowa running backs co- coach, obviously. But, uh, you know, getting these guys ready for this whiteout um, was kind of one of the topics of discussion today. I mean, uh, do you do you go with a heavy dose of LeSean Williams or do you mix in Kamari Moulton and Terrell Washington Jr.? Uh, I'm really curious, Tyler, to see kind of how he uh, divvies up the workload. I've and I asked him about you know who's you know who's your top third down back. I assumed it would be LeSean, and yes, it is. So uh, he did say LeSean could be you know an every down type of back. So I'm really curious to see what the trust level is for Kamari, what the trust level is for Terrell. They looked really good against Western Michigan, but that was a friendly second half environment with a big lead. Uh, I could just, I don't know, what do you kind of expect, I guess, from the workload perspective for the running game? I would definitely say, I think, just because of the experience uh, we saw, and especially because of the week he's coming off of Western Michigan, his, his first two weeks were uh, underwhelming, but but he really flashed what he could do, and I think opened some eyes last week. So because of because of he's a veteran guy in the program, he, he's been around a lot longer, I would definitely say, Iowa should rely on him, but at the same time, I don't think it's. I don't think you can ask him to carry the ball thirty times. So I think that you're definitely going to need to mix in, you know, Kamari Moulton or Terrell Washington or Max White, and at least give Leishon a little bit of a break. And then maybe you just ride the hot hand if if Mm -hmm. Kamari. And I think Kamari looked really good against Western Michigan. You know, he's a true freshman, not a big guy, but runs downhill. Uh, you know, can make guys miss. So I, I think what he showed against Western Michigan was really promising. But it's just the jump from going Western Michigan at Kinnick to at Penn State in the whiteout is just, I mean, almost as you know drastic as you could go in terms of uh, the, the the atmosphere and having the the crowd again for you to against you. So that's just a tough ask. But I think, yeah, I think heavy dose of leash on, and I think. Uh, you know, mixing in some of the other guys, seeing if you can get a hot hand to, to go along with him. Yeah, and I liked what Kirk Ferentz did last week. Uh, you know, LeSean was racking up a bunch of yardage, but he did take him out of that game. Uh, I think kind of keeping his legs fresh. I mean, certainly they looked fresh after just one carry against Iowa State. So I'm with you. I think I think LeSean probably gets, you know, 20-plus carries, and then the rest will be kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they will put Kamari out there for sure. Uh, we'll see about Terrell Washington, but uh, I'm really interested to see. That's a very uh, interesting storyline. Uh, Caleb Johnson and Jazzy and Patterson classified as week to week with lower leg injuries. We know Caleb Johnson's is an ankle, probably a high ankle, and then I assume I'm going to assume Patterson is in that same region. That's that's a typical injury uh, for a running back. We will dive into more of the matchup itself in our five big questions segment uh in the second portion of our program but first of all tyler let's just kind of talk about big picture implications of this matchup uh the hawkeyes are two touchdown underdogs so 
nobody's really get, expecting them on the outside to win. Now, certainly the Iowa players are, are confident, and Jay Higgins said, we're going there to win the game. Uh, that's why you go. Uh, and they seem super confident you know, in, in their abilities to make this a game. I think get it to the fourth quarter is kind of the idea, and then take your chances. But let you know, what does this game mean? Let's start from the Iowa perspective. Obviously, it's not a Big Ten West matchup, but it is the first Big Ten game of the season. Uh, I kind of view it, Tyler, as win or lose. What kind of team you know does Iowa have? Is this a team that's going to get boat raced, or is this a team that is going to? play toe-to-toe with what has looked like, honestly, the best team in the Big Ten East so far. Can they play toe-to-toe with them for 60 minutes? Yeah, I think this is a really good test of just where, how good Iowa is right now. Like, you know, is Iowa for real? Is Iowa the real deal? Um, I think we'll have a better idea after Saturday because the first three games of the season um, – some positives, some negatives. I don't think really enough evidence to make like a sweeping conclusion about the fate of Iowa's season one way or the other. Um, and because of the emotions of this game, the magnitude of it, the environment, um, the fact that both are top 25 teams, I think will be revealing of kind of where Iowa stands. Are they on the right track to make the Big Ten championship game? Is there a pretty wide gap to getting there? I think mm-hmm. that it was already going to be a tough game, and now I'm even more hesitant, and I think it's even a steeper challenge for Iowa because of the situation with Luke Lachey, uh, most likely done for the season, as Kirk Ferentz said on Tuesday. And on top of that, we've talked about the running back situation, and this is not just a Caleb Johnson out, you know, because Jazz Patterson really, really played well against Iowa State, but he's also out, so you're really getting thin in the running back room and, and experience just not a whole lot there because of those factors. Um, I just think, I think that the odds are kind of stacked against them and it's going to, I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible for them to win, but I just think it's a lot more difficult. I, I would say though, if I can somehow run the table and win this game, uh, I feel like there's anything is on the table the rest of the season for Iowa. And, you know, because this is definitely, I would say, one of the most difficult games of the regular season. You can probably put at Wisconsin up there as well. But it feels like if Iowa, if Iowa can, you know, shock some people and win this game, like winning the big, getting to the Big Ten championship definitely seems in reach. Winning the Big Ten championship definitely seems in reach. It feels like it kind of opens a whole another world of possibilities if they can somehow go in and win. And like I said, the, the, the likelihood of that, from my point of view, not high, but if they are able to do it, it feels like uh, it might just kind of open the season into, into the floodgates open a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you you go into the season wanting to win a Big Ten championship. That's the Cade McNamara stated goal, not just get to the Big Ten championship. So we will get a chance to see how far away Iowa is from that point. Not to say they can't improve between now and early December, but obviously – you know, starting zero and one in the standings and getting blown out, something like that, would just sort of be, you know, it would almost leave a little bit of an empty feel, even if you do have a decent season in the Big Ten West, unless things really pick up, just because you want to have a chance if you do go to Indy. So I, I kind of am interested just to see how tight this matchup really is, because this looks like a really good Penn State team so far. Uh, another interesting aspect, Tyler, of this matchup 
is that two of Iowa's players, prominent players, especially with Luke Lachey out, Cade McNamara and Eric All, played in this 2021 game at Penn State. Not a whiteout, but uh, a huge game uh, in which McNamara hits Eric All for a long touchdown pass in the final minutes to win that game 21-17. to But Cade McNamara and Eric All were not uh, available to the media this week. So I found that kind of interesting. They were requested, uh, did not um, speak. And I'm just kind of curious if that is... Uh, intentional maybe to you know I don't know kind of take pressure off the past and look to the future or you know for them to not be kind of pulled into that discussion of their time at Michigan but it's kind of interesting those two guys certainly in the spotlight on Saturday yeah and I think those are two guys you would really like um, if you're an Iowa fan to to step up and elevate their play in this game because one Luke Lachey being out most likely for the entire season. Uh, we've seen how heavy Iowa goes with kind of the, the schemes of, of tight end looks and uh, going multiple tight ends on the field. And, and Eric Hall, look, he, he already is the second leading receiver in terms of catches and yardage this season behind Luke Lachey in both of those categories. So he was already, you know, he was already one of the most productive pass catchers for Iowa, but now with Luke Lachey gone uh, and already having that chemistry built with Cade McNamara from Michigan, I think you probably really want him to kind of, you know, take the role that Luke Lachey had in being maybe the lead pass catcher. Um, And on top of that, you know, uh, Iowa has uh, other tight ends to kind of fill in. You look at Addison Ostranga, Steve Stilianos, both guys who are capable but just kind of stuck, you know, deeper in in the depth chart. Um, but in, in Cade as well, that the three the first three weeks I don't think uh, you know he hasn't been an overwhelming you know uh, success in terms of passing and, and doing what he needs right. to do. But at the same time, Iowa hasn't lost a game, so that's kind of the most important thing is that he has at the end of the day done enough for the team to win. But I think because of the running back situation, because of with Luke Lachey out now, I think this is a game that you really would like to see it come together for Cade McNamara. Yeah. And and get the, and not only because you're not going to probably be able to rely on the run as much uh, against Western, like you did against Western Michigan, but also of just being able to create some of those more explosive pathways that Iowa's been close to hitting on this season, but not quite really fully uh, been able to put together. You're listening to Hawks Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I am Chad Leistico talking Iowa football versus Penn State with Tyler Tashman, uh, my fellow uh, Hawkeyes reporter at the Register. Uh, let's go. Let's get into McNamara because I, I did my DVR Monday rewatch, and uh, we knew McNamara didn't play great, uh, you know, in our post game pod, and uh, it was it was not any better on on film. Um, I, it, I am cons- I'm getting concerned a little bit about this. Uh, now he, he's still rusty. Kirk Ferentz is not concerned. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would weigh his opinion more perhaps, but he's also not going to say that publicly. So the things that I would like to see McNamara clean up for sure are the turnovers, uh, obviously through two picks in the game. You know, they were both great catches by the Western Michigan defenders. Sure. But you know, the, uh, that's not something that, is going to go well this week if, if he turns the ball over on his first pass. 
uh, at Penn State, kind of like Spencer Peters did at Ohio State last year. First pass of the game was picked off, and the floodgates were were open. Um, but where I was most concerned was McNamara taking sacks when he wasn't he didn't really need to. Now he needs to know where his outlets are. Four times Iowa got inside Western Michigan's forty the other day and did not score a point. And that was largely because McNamara took sacks to get them out of field goal range. So that happened several times. And then the other time, of course, was uh, that they didn't score was when he threw the pick into the end zone and Brian Ferentz threw his headset. So uh, I don't know. I'm That's why I think this game in particular is, is so huge for McNamara because he's done it before in Happy Valley. Uh, he is now getting into his second full week of practice, presumably. And I think we need to start seeing him kind of be that guy that Iowa expects him to be. And this is the stage where he should not be intimidated whatsoever. Yeah. Kind of going off what you were saying uh, in the Western Michigan game, it, it felt like he lost some poise under pressure. I think that, you know, when, when Western Michigan was kind of bringing their different uh, pressures, it felt like Cade, he got, he panicked a little bit in, in terms of not being able to, uh, be more decisive when pressure was coming in his face. And, and uh, I think you look at, you know, I can't remember exactly what happened on the play, but the pick that he threw at the end of the first half that where Iowa could have had a chance to at least get a field goal up, those are the types of plays that in a game at Penn State, you, you have to be able to get those points on the board. And, and when you're talking about taking sacks, you know, one thing that I noticed watching the uh, Iowa State game was that how often Iowa's offense was getting behind the sticks. There were there were a lot of third and longs, and right now Iowa's offense just isn't good enough to be able to constantly have to be making up for that. They have to be able to get some chunk plays on first down. They can't uh, be trying to you know play from behind and hit third and longs, and uh, they're just not. Maybe maybe by the end of the season they're good enough to do that consistently, but uh, right now they're not, and that kind of also plays into the theme of they're not good enough right now to make up for massive mistakes, for interceptions, for fumbles. I think against Penn State, whether it be Cade McNamara, whether it be LeSean Williams, uh, any of the receivers that, uh, you know, you're probably looking at a game that Iowa can't turn the ball over more than once because the, the offense just doesn't have, uh, you know, kind of the strength and firepower right now to make up for, for those mistakes. Yeah, and uh, I think just the the point I'm trying to make is uh, you've got a you've got a running back blocking for you. Let's say let's say you're four wide and you got a running back you know blocking for you on on third and long. You just have to know where he is. you have to be aware where he is and just throw the ball at his feet rather than take that sack. I know he's trying to make a play, all that stuff, but you see that happen in the NFL all the time. Like when they know the play is dead, you just get rid of the ball, you know, fight to live another day. In those cases, if you throw it away, you're kicking Drew, Steven field, Drew Stevens' field goals, and he's got the leg to do it, and every three points uh, are going to matter on Saturday night in Happy Valley. So hopefully he, he kind of learned his lessons on those things and uh, has a better idea where his checkdowns are. I know he's trying to make a play, but he's a fifth-year senior, and you know I, I wouldn't be as critical if, if it was you know Deacon Hill out there, Joe Labus even. Uh, a young guy that that maybe doesn't know those things, but he those are those are veteran moves that that uh, hopefully Cade McNamara kind of uh, cleans up going into Happy Valley. 
Uh, we will get into some more aspects of the offense in this matchup next. My last concern uh, on defense uh, is lack of production. Three sacks, three turnovers uh, on 201 opponent snaps so far this year. That's not very much for this Iowa defense. So uh, that is the other uh, on the other side of the ball kind of a concern of mine as well. But we'll get into that next. Uh, coming up next, five big questions as Iowa heads to Penn State. Tyler Tashman and I will preview the Hawkeyes versus Nittany Lions next on Hawk Central 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Happy to be joined, as always, by Tyler Tashman, our beat reporter, also at the Register. Want to start this segment by saying congratulations to Caitlin Clark, who on Tuesday was named the winner of the Sullivan Award given to the nation's top amateur athlete. <laughs> the awards keep coming for the uh, mega star for Iowa wins basketball. She joined Spencer Lee as the only recipients of that Sullivan Award in Iowa history. Two all-time greats for sure. All right, Tyler, uh, let's dig into this matchup with our five big questions segment it's iowa at penn state as mentioned a 6 40 p.m kickoff it's on cbs iowa's first game on cbs uh in the regular season since a game against michigan back in 1986 uh sold out beaver stadium with a capacity over 106,000. as we mentioned it's the whiteout game and uh, the announcers are brad nessler who by the way called iowa's 2008 upset against penn state and gary danielson with uh, Jenny Dell on the sideline. Iowa, 14.5-point underdog with an over-under of 40 points this week. All right, Tyler, let's get into five big questions. And the first one is dealing with Penn State. We haven't talked much about the Nittany Lions. We've been focusing on the Hawks so far. But uh, first off, what is the scariest proposition Iowa is facing when Penn State has the football? I think it's limiting the explosive plays because we've kind of already seen this season. It feels like one of the criticisms of Iowa's defense is it's giving up uh, some explosive plays. We certainly saw that um, in the Western Michigan game where where they had that long touchdown pass. And on Tuesday, Kirk Ferentz basically said that that can't happen again. It looked like, you know, uh, I don't know if it was miscommunication, but Xavier Wampa and, uh, Dramari Harris were kind of in the area and someone got behind them. But uh, I think, you know, limiting those explosive plays are just going to be massive because Iowa's defense we've seen, and I think this is, you know, from talking to you and kind of the history of Iowa's defense is that they're going to bend but not break. And I think we've seen that happen this season where they'll give up some yardage and then, you know, Logan Lee blocks a field goal against Iowa State or something of that nature. But Right. Uh, those real chunk plays that just kind of happen like a flash of lightning, uh, they seem like they've kind of been one of the, this defense's Achilles heel uh, this season. So I think managing that, making sure that doesn't happen, um, I think that's going to be a huge key. Well, and that could have been a blessing maybe, Tyler, that that, that did happen against Western Michigan that was still – somewhat uncharacteristic. I mean, they didn't sound like they gave up, gave up a bunch of 60-yard plays against Iowa State and Utah State. Um, but, you know, you did give up four or three or four monster plays against Western Michigan. Thankfully, one got called back. Uh, so, uh, but uh, you talked to Jamari Harris yesterday. Do, do you think the Nittany Lions go after him seeing what happened against Western Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. I think Dramari was pretty open in saying that basically, look, this was, 
his first game back playing college football in more than 600 days. He, he was a guy that emerged in that uh, 2021 season, was out all last season, out the first two games of this season uh, as part of you know the NCAA's uh, gambling uh, you know investigation. Right. But he was pretty open in saying like he felt like he was trying to do too much. Like he felt like uh, he was trying to kind of force making plays instead of just doing his job and letting things come to him. I think his assessment of things fits pretty well into what we saw on Saturday. Um, so I think him being able to quickly fit back into not being out of position, not feeling like he has to force things, but just doing his job. I think that's probably just something that comes with time and being out there more, but uh, he has one game to get ready sort of basically before getting thrown into this. So I, you hope that he is able to adjust pretty quickly, but uh, no, I think he was pretty kind of candid and just reflecting on that seemed like it was kind of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on this offense, getting into some of the names for Penn state, uh, they have a great, uh, batch of running backs, uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton uh, are kind of the playmakers back there. Uh, Singleton is a big play uh, type of guy, has 12 runs of 20-plus yards in his career. They're both sophomores, and uh, they're, Penn State is one of three teams, eight teams, I'm sorry, with three 1,000-yard rushers on their roster at once. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Iowa obviously needs to stop the run. And then uh, the flip side there is Drew Aller, the sophomore quarterback, is a 67% passer. He's looked really good so far, was 21 of 29 and for 325 and three scores against West Virginia, which is a decent Power 5 team. I'm not going to say great, but decent. And then uh, Penn State also has maybe the top left tackle in the country in Olu Fashanu. So uh, uh, Hawkeyes have their work cut out for them. Penn State has scored 30 plus points in 10 straight games. That is tops in college football. That's the longest streak in college football. So Iowa will try to hold them under 30 points. Iowa has only allowed two of its last 55 opponents to score more than 30. And of course, two of those, those both were blowout losses uh, to Michigan in the Big Ten title game two years ago and then at Ohio State last year, which really wasn't the defense's fault. <laughs> Let's be honest. It was the offensive turnovers that kind of created that. So that will get into a point I make later on in five big questions. But for now, Tyler, number two, how will Iowa try to attack Penn State's defense? Second year uh, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz uh, kind of has a big play type of defense. They get a lot of turnovers. And they have had six-plus tackles for loss in 11 straight games, which is the longest streak in the nation. So how, how do you think Iowa goes about trying to attack them? Yeah, that, that's a concern, I think, for Iowa because of, just like I was saying, of, I don't think the offense can really afford to get behind the sticks too much. But normally I would say I think you've got to establish the run and um, build off of what Iowa did in that running performance against Western Michigan, which was, uh, by far the best of the the season from the O line in terms of uh, you know paving the way on the ground, but without Jazz Patterson, without Caleb Johnson, it's going to be more difficult. I still think you try it. I think you give LeSean Williams um, some carries early, and if he is if the O line is able to open up holes, and LeSean Williams is able to kind of continue what he was doing last week, I think you go with that for as long as possible. But I don't see that happening for, you know, an extended period of time. And at some point, depending on how the game is open, going, you might need to open things up. And I think that 
a lot of this game might be kind of relying on what Cade McNamara does. Is he mm-hmm. is he going to you know be the quarterback Iowa needs him to be? Is he going to continue to kind of be inconsistent? Um, I think that he is whether he is able to kind of put everything together and be the guy, uh, you know, you know, be the consistent passer, be able to make good decisions. Um, I think a lot of, you know, what he does and being able to get that passing attack going uh, and clicking might, you know, play a huge role. Penn State also has one of the top corners in the country in Kalen King, who is really not, he's kind of like their Cooper DeGene. He just, he just doesn't get targeted. So uh, that kind of limits what you can do in the passing game as well. Now, Iowa may try to go after him, but I don't know if that's smart. Uh, for me, it's, I think the, the attack for Iowa is just do not turn the ball over at all. You got to go you, and you can't take negative plays. So I just think it's going to, I think it's going to be uh, chipping away at the run game. Uh, I think they found some confidence last week against Western Michigan and I think they're going to try to build on that. It stinks that you don't have uh, your full stable of running backs. Uh, basically, your top two most explosive guys are not here. But uh, you know, this is a this is a big Leshawn Williams game. This is his chance to kind of make his mark. And I think they're going to try to ride him. And I think they're going to have to be content to punt. They're going to have to be content to punt, and they just cannot take those sacks. Like I said, so that dovetails into our third question, which you started to address, Tyler. But uh, well, let's continue that conversation, and you got to answer: uh, Do we see good Cade or bad Cade on Saturday night? Uh, I'll say good I'm going to say bad Cade was the other day. I'd say good Cade was most of the first two games. Yeah, I'll say I'll say I'll say good Cade. I think that four games in, right? We I mean we've talked we've made a lot about just his whole injury situation coming in, the knee surgery he had toward the end of last season the hiccup he had at Kids Day at Kinnick, which, um, you know, certainly did not help kind of him getting back into the flow of things. I think four games in, you hope that he is finding a rhythm. And, and, you know, I see you have up on the uh, stats that against Penn State in 2021, he goes 9 for 19, 200. 19 for 29, yeah. 19 for 29, sorry, uh, for 217 yards and 30 touchdowns. I think if he does that, on Saturday, I think Iowa has a really good chance to win, a really, really good chance to win. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs to throw for 500 yards or anything like that. I just think he needs to be really solid, really efficient, make really good decisions, be really sharp. So um, I'll say good, Cade. Okay. Yeah, I think well, it's certainly an opportunity for him to kind of uh, be the guy that Hawkeye fans were so excited about back when he committed to the Hawkeyes on December 1st. Again, this game is not one that's going to make or break Iowa's season, but you just don't want to look really bad in it. Um, I guess my my answer is probably that we're going to get, I would be more inclined to say we get bad Cade just because of the environment, just because of the lack of weapons that he's got around him versus Michigan. Uh, but I do think he is a gamer and uh, excited to see how he performs on this stage. I just, uh, you know, Penn State's defense really takes the ball away. And so far, Cade is not. Uh, shown the greatest ability to protect the ball, nor can he scramble, which uh, that that kind of hurts things as well. Which is kind of go- which is why I kind of think they're going to try to run the ball as much as humanly possible, and then rely on Tory Taylor in that defense. All right, question number four, Tyler. Who are the other Hawkeyes that we haven't talked about? We talked about the running backs. We talked about Cade McNamara. 
Um, talked about Eric Gall. Who are some of the other Hawkeyes kind of in the spotlight for you in this matchup, and who do you think needs to step up the most? I like Seth Anderson because oh, if, a good pick. If, <laughs> thank you. Um, if if Iowa is going to get the passing game going, I think he's been he's probably shown the mo- most promise out of any of the receivers so far this season. And um, you know, I, I just think that he is going to be a key, especially now with Luke Lachey out, who it seemed like Cade McNamara really kind of found comfort in finding. But um, there's been, I mean, I look back at the Iowa State game and. Uh, Seth Anderson almost had what would have been, you know, a, a 90 plus yard touchdown. Cade McNamara just missed him, but it, it seemed kind of emblematic of this offense is close to clicking. It just hasn't, and especially the passing game, it just hasn't kind of fit together perfectly yet. And I think that uh, Seth Anderson, just the kind of quickness, speed he has, uh, I think that, you know, he could be some guy that if you look at Iowa wins this game and the offense, you know, the passing game is is getting going, I think that he might be a guy that's a big part of that. All right, I got four names here, but I'm going to try to run down them really quick. I get one and you get four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Host's prerogative here. Uh, Number one, Nico Ragaini. He's the one that had the big 44-yard touchdown reception in 2021. He had the big moment against Penn State. Does he kind of... uh, have have a moment like that in this game where he he catches a touchdown or makes a big play. Uh, really kind of curious to see because we haven't uh, you know it'd be fun to hear from him again since he had the uh, you know the reprimand from the Big Ten. Uh, that's number one. Number two, Drew Stevens. We talk, I mentioned him briefly earlier in the show, but you know he missed a field goal last week. But man, he's got a big leg. Uh, that's the type of thing where in this type of, of ball game, uh, even if the conditions are a little bit wet, which they could be. Uh, you know, he he could make a big difference with some long field goals. Iowa, you know, I we saw Iowa do that in 2019 against Iowa State when it was outplayed on offense uh, and defense in some ways. And uh, you know, Keith Duncan made four field goals, so maybe Drew Stevens can kind of chip away uh, at the points and keep Iowa in this game. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm gonna I've got two guys. Obviously, Cooper DeGene is one of them because he has not had that interception this year has not had like a big splash play on defense yeah he looked good on punt returns last week but is this the game where cooper DeGene on the national stage you know the projected first round draft pick kind of makes his mark and the last one i will point out is xavier wampa i mean here the, you know penn state is a roster full of four stars plus and here is iowa's five star you know can can the five star safety xavier wampa uh, you know, kind of get into the mix for the first time since the opener when he, when he had that diving interception. He's been pretty quiet for the last couple of weeks. Uh, could he maybe make some kind of big defensive play? We saw Geno Stone make uh, an interception return back in 2018 up in Happy Valley. Uh, so those are kind of some of the names I've got on my list. So, uh, and I do and also watching O line play. So there's nine names. <laughs> So when, uh, you, when you look back on this and you hit on, one I'm going to say I called it. Yeah, let, let the record be known that you named about half the roster, <laughs> half the starters, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, all right, number five, Tyler. Uh, the single biggest key to an Iowa victory on Saturday. What has to happen for Iowa to win this game? Like not crazy, not like you know 400 yards passing, but like a legitimate, rational key to win this game. Yeah, I just think it's making the game weird. I think it's. The, the special teams needs to 
just turn momentum, the defense, you know, I think maybe as it was the case last season that Iowa's best offense might be its defense. I think that you kind of need to flip the field. You need to uh, create some turnovers. I think just because of what Iowa has going against it in terms of the atmosphere, uh, who is injured, all of that, I just think you just need to make the game as weird as possible. I don't I think you need to pull out whatever trick plays, you know, you have, or I don't know. I just think that for the lack of a better term, the game just needs to be weird. I just, yeah. I just think there kind of needs to be some crazy stuff to go on and you kind of catch Penn state on their, on your, on their back foot and something like that kind of needs to happen. Yeah. That's, uh, there's been plenty of weird games in happy Valley over the years. Uh, you know, probably two, two of the classic examples, 2004, Iowa win six to four. Uh, and then 2009, of course, uh, the definition of weird, Iowa gets down, uh, gives up a TD on the first play of the game, comes back to win with a, a safety and a block punt touchdown uh, to kind of rally into an 11-10 lead, and they eventually win that game. Now, that's weird. That's weird stuff. And then in 18, Iowa gets two more safeties uh, in strange ways and then uh, loses that game, but they had a chance in that one. So I like that. Good experienced answer there, Tyler. Uh, I'm going to just stick with turnovers. I mean, that's really... That's it. You cannot turn the ball over this week. If you turn the ball over, you're not going to win. Uh, I mean, you said one turnover. I'm going to say you've got to go turnover free, which is going to be asking a lot. You might have the ball in Kamari Moulton's hands a lot. You might have uh, – you've got this attacking Penn State defense. Cade McNamara has not protected the ball at a great rate thus far. Here's a couple stats. Uh, since 2022, Penn State has forced 33 turnovers – and just last week, I watched, I rewatched the Penn State Illinois game. Illinois committed three turnovers in the first quarter alone. You just can't do that. And uh, Penn State scored twenty points off those turnovers. Uh, Penn State nine and zero, enforcing multiple turnovers in the last two years, and averaging nine point six nine points per game off turnovers in the last two years. So uh, that's ten points a game. Basically, they're getting off turnovers, and so just don't turn it over. And You've pretty much cut into that 14.5-point spread, so got to keep it close, uh, and I'm sure Kirk Ferentz is preaching that uh, as we speak would be my guess. All right, coming up next, we will make our score predictions for Iowa versus Penn State and look at the rest of the Big Ten action this week. You're listening to Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Tyler Tashman and I will be taking you up to 7 o'clock in KXNO's Fantasy Camp, uh, fantasy football show. Uh, I know I am get, starting to get screwed on the waiver wire. Uh, some of my claims aren't going through, so maybe these guys can help uh, figure out who I can pick up at this point in the season. All right. Uh, Iowa, Tyler, is the only 3-0 and team in the Big Ten West. We kind of teased that that could become the case, uh, and it was the case. So the Hawkeyes, I mean, I feel right now are the Big Ten West front runners. Uh, and there's an interesting game on Friday night this week in the Big Ten, uh, something you can kind of watch. Uh, we can watch maybe once we get into Pennsylvania. Uh, Wisconsin at Purdue, uh, 6 o'clock Central Time on Fox Sports 1. Uh Interesting to see where Wisconsin is at. That's a that's that's a tricky game for the Badgers. Yeah, I think that's one where you circle it for if you're Iowa, that one in Madison later on in the season as one that could possibly decide the West. So kinda interesting to see how 
Wisconsin develops up to that point. I'll also say uh, on Saturday, Rutgers and Michigan, both teams are undefeated. I, I wouldn't expect Rutgers to go in there and win, but um, interesting to see how kind of that unfolds. And Harbaugh yeah. returns. Harbaugh returns to the side. Oh, is it week. really? Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Big Ten West game, um, Minnesota at Northwestern. So, kind of expect the Gophers to move to two and zero in Big Ten play. So that would be uh, that would be kind of a you know something to watch if you're the Hawkeyes. I mean, the Gophers uh, certainly uh, not going to be going away there. So I, I know I said favorite status, but good grief! I mean, by the end of Saturday night, Minnesota could be two and zero in the West, and Iowa might be one and zero. Uh, of course, the other huge game in the, involving a Big Ten team this week is Ohio State at Notre Dame. That is going on at the same time as Iowa-Penn State. Uh, that'll be on at uh, 6.30 Central on NBC. So uh, big, big weekend of college football. If you haven't seen the matchups uh, across the board, it is really a fun day. So uh, this is definitely a day to sit in front of your TV, watch the games, uh, and... Uh, you know, stay up and watch the Hawks. Um, hopefully, it'll be a game late into the night. Uh, Tyler, one aspect we didn't really weigh in on yet is the possibility of rain is in State College um, this weekend. We That's typically seen when Iowa plays over there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, a wet game favor the Hawkeyes if that comes to fruition? Yeah, I think that would be a good thing. I think you look at kind of when you have – Weird weather conditions, rain, snow, sleet, hail, that type of stuff that usually helps the team that um, isn't favored. So I think that any, like I was saying, of you would like, you know, maybe, you know, a safety or something crazy to happen on defense. I think if weather is part of that uh, equation, I don't think that's a bad thing. So I, I think anything that can kind of shake things up a little bit. So, and we already, I mean, it didn't. I, it may have been drizzling a little bit uh, against Western Michigan, but that lightning delay was sort of a little bit of a weird thing. And Iowa came out of that. They, they went in they, the start of the game. They did not play well at all. When they came out of there, they, they were playing better. And, you know, where they, it seemed like they handled that pretty well compared to Western Michigan. So, uh, yeah, could be another factor kind of at play. How do you think Iowa uses tight ends this week? You know, no, you go into this with a full week of no Luke Lachey. I was really impressed when I looked at film on Steven Stilianos. Uh, I think he's he's the best blocker of the three. And Deontay Vines told me, told a couple of us, that Addison Ostrenga is making, like, great catches in practice. And I feel like we know what Eric All brings to the table. Like, very solid. Like you mentioned, he could end up being the leading receiver for this team this year. So, uh I don't know. I think they're going to be fine at tight end. I know it's a huge loss. Luke Lachey had surgery Tuesday. But how do you think they kind of divvy up the tight end usage this week? I think definitely Eric Hall, you would hope, would take on uh, more production. And then the two guys behind him, like uh, you know, you mentioned Steve Stilianos and Addison Estranga. And, and look, Kirk Ferentz said uh, on Tuesday, he said he still has confidence in the tight ends. He said, still have a good group there you know they're better with Luke obviously but they, he still feels like they have a good group and, and he says uh we're not going to change our whole approach by any stretch mm-hmm. uh, we'll just keep trying to figure out what's best what's the best way to maybe give us a chance to move the ball against these guys so it doesn't sound like there's going to be you know drastic changes maybe uh you know there'll be some 
you you won't see as tight end heavy. But I mean, Iowa was still going uh, in some of their run uh, schemes. They were going really heavy with tight ends. So I think that there's enough confidence in those two guys behind Eric Hall that you don't need to just scrap the game plan. I think mm-hmm. that you know it does hurt a lot not having Luke Lachey, but um, there's an you know the Iowa does have depth there and guys that they feel like they can put in position. So maybe you see one of those two guys behind Eric Hall really emerge, but given the opportunity now. Yeah, Lachey, you know, put, potentially goes to the NFL no matter what after this year. Anyway, Eric Hall, senior, Steven Stelianos, fifth-year senior, you know, all could come back for another year, but you know, these are veteran guys. So Addison Estrenga kind of becomes in the spotlight as maybe your future tight end. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, how he steps into this, you know, probably a bigger than expected role. Uh, true sophomore, six four, two fifty five, and I, I just think we're going to see a lot of Stilianos uh, in line blocking. I thought when he was in there, I thought the run game really worked. So uh, I could see number eighty six out there quite a bit uh, on Saturday night. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to our predictions and um, with specificity, what happens on Saturday night in Happy Valley? Uh, I think Penn State wins twenty to thirteen. Um, I think that Iowa – I'd be surprised if Iowa gets blown out. I think that the defense will give them a good enough chance to stay in the game. I'm not sure that Iowa's offense, just with the injury situation with the run game, not sure Iowa's offense will have enough firepower to overcome it. I know I said that a good Cade would show up, so I know I'm kind of contradicting myself at this point. But um, I think think Iowa will have some encouraging signs. Uh, coming out of the game, I just don't think that they have quite enough right now to come out with a win. Okay, okay. Uh, now, you know, as I reminded people last week, I had the score on the head for Iowa State twenty thirteen. Last week, I predicted forty one to seven, and it was forty one to ten. So we're on, that's way off. That's way off. Yeah, I know. So we're on a bit of a roll. Uh, okay. Not going to say I called my shot two weeks in a row, but and I did get very lucky last week that I got to forty one. Let's be honest. <laughs> So I'm just take that into account when I give you the prediction this week. I've got Penn State 27, Iowa 10. I kind of just think I need to be convinced that this offense can avoid the negative plays. I'm just very concerned about uh, you know an interception you know from its own 15 yard line you know flipping this game into a, a real bad way in a hurry. And this is not the type of team you want to be. You know, gotten, getting into shotgun late in the game, trying to make up ground through the air. Uh, again, you know, I think Cade McNamara is all by and large an accurate passer, a good passer, but he's only at 53.5% this year. So I kind of need to see more. I kind of just think this isn't going to go well for the Hawkeyes, but I, the guys talked really confidently the other day. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not discounting that they could go in there and shock the world, but. Uh, just kind of the reality check tells me 27 to 10, and uh, I feel like the score will kind of reflect, or the, the final score will reflect the, the controlling of the game by Penn State. Happy to be wrong, but uh, that's kind of how I see this one playing out on Saturday. All right, uh, any final thoughts, Tyler, about this matchup in our last two minutes? No, I just think that, I mean, we really haven't seen Iowa play from behind much at all this season. The first time they were trailing was against Western Michigan early on. So I just, if Iowa gets behind by a lot, I don't think there's enough offensive firepower to make up for it. Um, But no, I just, I'm looking forward to the atmosphere. Um, I know there's, I have uh, back home uh, some 
Iowa fans um, who are making the drive from Chapel Hill to uh, to Penn State for the game. Shout out to Tim White and his family. So there's, you know, seems like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big draw of a game. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And uh, our Hawk Central team, as always, will be there in uh, State College. We got our press passes. We got our parking pass. Be driving in uh, for that late, late game. Uh, be sure to tune in sometime around midnight Central Time on Saturday. That's kind of my estimated time when we'll we'll kind of kick into our uh, post game YouTube podcast on Hawk Central. But uh, as always, stay tuned to our social media feeds uh, to kind of get the uh, exact time. Uh, once we figure out post game, all that stuff. Hopefully, no lightning delays, anything like that. All right, thanks, Tyler, and see you uh, in the Charlotte Airport on Friday. All right, we'll see you there. All right, uh, like I said, uh, coming up next here on KXNO is Fantasy Camp with Nathan Nathan Fisher and Tyler Allen. For Tyler Tashman, this is Chad Lystico saying so long, and we will talk to you next Wednesday night here on Hawk Central one hundred six point three KXNO.